We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Sir Carlo Navas, and with me today is not producer, co-founder, Brian Goins. He's not here for the celebration, but instead, we have our Saucy Nuggets insider, Mr. Lefty Leif. Culture over process. All day. We have our statistician and professional photoshopper, Christian Hernandez. What up? And of course, we have a professional screw-up, Alex Toledo, flu gaming it. Oh man, I was so wrong. I'm so happy about it. He swore, we were all, listen, I, before the game, I had no guts. Leif was telling me to get the guts, to have the culture. I was like, this is a big fat L. I don't have a good feeling about this game. I was going through the day dreading it. I'm like, oh, my God, and it's horrible because they lost to Memphis. It does not matter. The Heat do the weirdest. I mean, it was such wonky sponus, uh, but they got the win, guys. Like the, uh, And I think... The the thing that's like lost in all of this is Spo went small against the Sixers. Like they go small against Philly. They rip what is it a twenty seven to four run in the second quarter, and they take control of the game. They never give once they take the lead, they never give it up again. And on the road, biggest win of the season, guys. It feels that way. Considering the circumstances, yeah, like considering yeah. the fact that they're shorthanded, they're going into a, a, a team that already would give them trouble with their length and size, and the fact that, uh, you know, we kind of have seen Jimmy look a little spent the last few games to go in there and get that win. I have to, that's got, and especially on national TV, you see it's like the Bam Adebayo introduction to the country once again. Um, so, yes, biggest win of the season. Like, it's either that or the Bucks, Bucks won. 
Oh, the Raptors Toronto? win was huge. Yeah, the Raptors win was, was huge. Too. I think So they now have road wins in Milwaukee, Toronto, and Philadelphia. After I doubted them on the road in public, I doubted and them. This is the Kendrick Nunn and Derrick Jones Jr. game, so you might have been more wrong than anybody. Oh, my God. I was just taking L's from everywhere. Duncan also played great. Like, Derrick Jones Jr. at the four. Uh, we were talking I mean, about that. I've, I've been taking L's, too. I traded Derrick Jones Jr. and Nunn in a trade today <laughs> that I posted on Twitter, which I've been, For it's been awful all For day. Gallinari. Yeah, which, who's having a nice night tonight, too? Like, these are all good players. Like, I mean, the the, the thing that None I better. was trying to address is that the Heat have a few people coming off contracts this season and no real money coming up. So something's also got to give. Yeah, in a really weird spot. Uh, I had a column up on FiveReasonSports.com talking about the Drew Holiday rumors and everything that they're linked to. And in it, I talked a little bit about how even if Miami doesn't do anything, they're in this really weird position where I think as of right now, they're number two in the East with this win against Philly. So they're second in the East uh, with a star, a rising star, a young core and 2021 cap space. So like they don't really have to do anything. You know, and today, today felt good, man. Like after that, I mean, truly, their worst loss of the season at Memphis, really just no excuse other than the fact that they were shorthanded. But even shorthanded, they, they have enough to beat that Memphis team, even though it's on the road and they're young and they're feisty. Uh, so to come out today and have this win against a team that, is that their rival? I mean, yeah. We've, we've made it a rivalry. Just, you know, that playoff series was definitely, there were some testy moments. I think Jimmy adds to the rivalry aspect of it. The um, two so- fan bases, you've got the Josh and Jimmy thing. James Ennis is there. He's probably the biggest factor in this rivalry. James. You see him hit that big three? Oh, my God. I was shocked. I was like, what was that when he was here? God, that pissed me off so much. He never did that here. Well, we got one back when. Another point with this whole trade thing, and I know Christian was proposing things, and we've been talking a lot about trades because obviously tis the season. But, like, this is what I was – I made this point last night. We they haven't even lost two games in a row yet, right? So like they're they're not in a position to even look at the roster and say, boy, we need to shake this up. We need to make some sort of move. So I, I feel like that this is definitely going to be a patient process that comes down to the deadline, unless they you see them lose four out of five or six out of eight or something like that. Like they have no reason to make any move. They're they're playing with house money, and twenty twenty one the decks are clear. So you just you ride this thing out. You know, man. I don't, I'm not, I'm not intangibles guy. This is all life. Like I'm not like, you know, culture guy, everything, bro, to come out in that building and to get punched in the mouth in the first quarter that you look like this is going to be a repeat of what happened in November, that they're going to blow your ass out on the road for the second. You're going to lose two straight games for the first time all season. When it looked down, you're down. You're, they only played eight guys. There was no Chris Silva today. Olenek played seven minutes, you know, like it looked like they were going to pack it in. And those guys, credit to Spo, went to the zone, went to the small lineups, and they fought back from a double-digit deficit and completely dominated that game from the second quarter on. Like, that is fucking guts. That is culture. That is what this Heat team is. That is what everything that the organization wants to propagate, everything that they want to tell us, everything that, that all those Jimmy Butler memes of, you know, how t- much tougher he is than you, like, that's just infected the team. And, dude... I I don't I can't say much more other than that. Like that was that was a fucking hell of a win. Wow. You guys heard that sound? The sound of Gianni sniffing that culture. Look at that baby! <laughs> I'm here! I, I've arrived! It's a 
about time. It took me long enough, but I'm here, dude. I'm all in. That Laker game got me so pumped. Even though they lost, I was like, I believe. I'm a, I am a believer. Um, man, you're going to need a bigger straw. Oh, my God. It was great. I, <laughs> I, I wasn't even paying attention to the Raptors game today. So it's that heat game. Uh, like, Christian, I want to get into Not this. That's the first time Gianni's been told that. The what? Nothing. Keep going. I, um, I'm not even sure that this team needs to make a trade. Like, I'm so back and forth on that. Like, they have this huge win today. They, they're playing well. I know that they've not looked great as of late, but people are really quick to shake up the roster when Dragic and Winslow have almost missed like a month, right? Like, we're, we're approaching the month-long uh, Winslow and, and Dragic, you know, hiatus, right? So without their second and third best ball handlers, they play completely different, right? So like they're running a lot more dribble handoff sets. They're doing like a bunch of stuff. They're missing those guys. They're missing that scoring punch off the bench. I know none provided that today, but none's not giving you that many points every day, right? Like, and so they're really missing that, that Dragic scoring. They're really missing. They're honestly a wing defender short. I know that Derek Jones Jr. And listen, I gave it to him on Twitter, uh, but his I was name wrong. is Justice Winslow. Uh, he, you know, they're short. They're short a wing defender, and I know that Derrick Jones Jr. has been amazing. But when Justice comes back, it's going to give another dynamic to their defense. And this team really hasn't been a hundred percent all year. So they're doing this without being healthy all season long. They've always missed guys. It's incredible. I was waiting for late to hit us with the "We have enough." Where's the energy, guys? Come on! Why am I the one with energy today? What's going on here? I'm always the one getting killed. Christian, get a pour pour something up, Christian. Did Leif die? Did we lose Leif? No, uh, I mean, I was just I was just looking up like the the team stats in December just to kind of have like a reference frame, but I thought you guys were talking about stuff. <laughs> I think Leif is muted. Leif, is your mic okay? Are you broken? We have no producer today. We are rogue. Leif could be dead. Christian is looking up stats. Coach Tony-esque. Alex I'm has, here literally coughing every Alex other second and just muting my mic. I, right now, have Jimmy Butler-level usage. I have Westbrook-level usages from a couple of years ago. Pass the ball. Somebody ask for the ball. Take the shot. Like, what I'm doing is I'm kind of, like, dribbling the ball up and waiting for the screen, and no one's really coming, and I'm just dribbling, ad-libbing, like, you know, culture in my veins, sniffing that culture. Okay, oh. I, I I have a question. I mean, you you watch you watch what the Heat did tonight. You know, pretty shorthanded, and we've now had an extended stretch without Justice and Goron, and their contracts together. And maybe if you throw in like you know Derek Jones, who also has a cheap contract, um, they could be a really nice package for a more premium player. And so I'm wondering, do you? think that the heat might be thinking this i think that they're always kind of thinking that alex i know that you're the trade guru alex. i mean Leif is right here don't disrespect Leif like that but uh yeah man i'm i'm still like i've been playing around with the idea of drew holiday still but i'm i'm i still tend to end up siding with Leif on the fact that it's going to be hard to actually make a trade until you see this team uh lose more than one game in a row we thought it was coming at night and it didn't Against all odds, so I don't know. It's like they're winning so many games. It's definitely going to be hard to try to make a trade out of this. But I'm like, I still secretly love the idea of Drew Holiday on this team, even though I, I know you're not the biggest fan of that. 
I don't know how I feel about that because I've talked myself in and out of it a bunch. So he's a 34% catch and shoot shooter this year, and he's a 34% shooter overall this year. So not great, not, you know, like not horrible, right? It's not whatever. It, it is what it is, right? <laughs> They're going to be playing with three non-shooters at the end of games. Jimmy's shooting 28% from three this year. Uh, Bam's not a shooter, obviously. And then you have Holiday, who's not a really elite shooter. So my issue with the Holiday... But you stuff, have Hero and Duncan. Yeah, but you can still help off those other guys, right? And like I know that the Warriors had some of that as well, with Draymond not really being a good shooter and with Iguodala not being a good shooter. But you're kind of offset by Curry and Clay, especially the fact that Curry can do all sorts of nonsense off the dribble. So it's a little different, right? So like they have a little bit more margin for error, especially. But you're forgetting the Heat's version of Curry and Clay. Yes, you're right. Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, uh, not quite the same, although Duncan's getting there, but. So I don't know, like that's my thing with Holiday, and I think that while Holiday's an all defensive, he was all defensive second team last year, and the year before that he was all defensive first team. He's an all star. He's a great player. He's a really good defender. He still he can do stuff with the ball in his hands, and he's big for a point guard too. He is big, and that's one of the things. I mean, but he's a big guy. Like he's not somebody that you could just bully or just run through. Yep, but he's not. He's not Winslow. Like he's not Winslow big. He's he's not small though. <laughs> no, but like he can score with the ball in his hands and and penetrate and he's a good passer, he's an elite defender. I just think he fits every, he's he's a I think he's a perfect fit for what they do already cuz I think he would be great as a cutter. He's a lot bigger like we discussed than Kendrick Nunn is. I think he'll be able to do more damage on that side. I think he'd be a fine catch and shoot guy. I think he helps take the load off of Jimmy. I think it's a good idea, but I don't even know why we're talking about Drew Holiday right now. That was an awesome win. I think that you got to look how good are they and can they contend? And I don't think we really have an answer yet because we haven't seen this team with everyone healthy. And this is one of their first road games against a conference. Well, if you think about it, their biggest competition would being the Raptors, the Celtics, the, the, the Pacers, the Sixers and the Bucks. They've already played Philly, the Bucks, and the Raptors not on the second night of a back-to-back on the road and have come up with W's every single time. Boston, they played on the second night of a back-to-back. That's the only time they've played at Boston, and they haven't played Indiana yet. So they're they're cat they're ca- collecting wins against the elite teams in the East as long as they're not you know screwed by the schedule. I don't know, yeah. man. Like, like the are they the are they a contender? That's not even a conversation point anymore. I mean, like they have twenty wins already. And they're playing all these teams tough. They're beating the teams they're supposed to beat, protecting home court. I mean, like, what are they not with doing injuries with all over the place with suspensions? So, and, and, and they're doing all this with three roster spots being taken up by completely non-functional players. So it's like at that point, they're absolutely a contending team. Now, are they going to beat the Lakers or the Clippers in a seven-game series? I think that that's a little bit of a stretch. Does Drew get you there? He gets you closer, but does he really get you over that hump? I think it's debatable. We know that the franchise wants to get to the finals. Like, it's not really about winning the championship. It's about just having the opportunity to get there, and Drew would help that. But um, there's just I, I really don't see that being explored yet. It doesn't make a ton of sense, particularly if they're going to, like, call out for Tyler Hero or something like that. You know, it's crazy that after tonight, the Heat are now second in the East, and the Sixers are fifth. A game and a half a game in front of Indiana for six. That's insane. 
I know we're still early in the season, but the, the East has been so volatile, and like the standings are separated by nothing. Yeah, that, well, that that two to six block, it they're all all the teams are within like two games it's one of each game. other. It's literally it's, one. It's game. It's one game now. Yeah, yeah but it, they're, but they're like four games away from the next closest team on either side. Yes, Milwaukee was four <laughs> games above the Heat, and uh, the Nets are three and a half. Uh, back of the Pacers, so well, and Indiana hasn't even gotten Oladipo back yet. So I mean, they're going to have a little spike there in the second half of the season, or at least you would expect them to. So it's going to be a competitive thing where they're going to fluctuate from two to five, four, three. I mean, that's just going to happen throughout the rest of the season. Something that I thought was really promising today was like if the Heat, if 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 the Heat are our contenders, like it's going to run through Philly, and Milwaukee, all those teams, right? So like it's good to see them have a counter for what they did to Bam. And I th- we talked about that a little bit last time they played Philly, how they really played off Bam a lot, and they really took away his passing angles. And the way that Spolster countered that was two ways. One, when Bam was in the game, they ran a lot of dribble handoff sets, and they were moving Duncan from side to side, baseline, and then coming back up. And when Bam wasn't in the game, they went zone, and they went small, with Myers at the five and DJJ at the four, which was ballsy as hell. And it paid off. And when Embiid came back in the game, they didn't take Myers out. They like we're gonna ride with this. Which, I mean, it really did make sense to go zone there. I I think so don't too. think it's as ballsy as you make it seem because just because they're so short-handed, it would make sense because that kind of scheme helps out everybody else. Everybody else doesn't have a huge responsibility guarding one-on-one, and there's a lot of matchup uh, advantages there for Philly. So I I thought the zone made a lot of sense because Philly doesn't have the shooting necessary to break that zone ever since they lost J.J. Redick. Because every single time, Josh Richardson is, is you know, he has a three, but a lot of times it's uncomfortable because the Heat are just so long and good at switching. And, you know, forcing them to shoot instead of letting him beat and Simmons bullying you in the paint really ends up being how you beat the Sixers. See, and I don't think- actually mentioned that when we were in Winwood last weekend. We were all arguing <laughs> about Heat Sixers, saying that you might have to go small to beat them. And I think he might have been, he might have had a point about that. Yeah, that's. I was just going to say, like, I didn't think the ballsy move was sticking with the zone because we saw that that was giving them trouble. It was more about trusting DJJ at the four and actually even trusting Myers Leonard to play extended minutes. I mean, that hasn't been something that's happened in every game. So, like, he really flipped the script and did something completely different. And DJJ, with his length, was able to play bigger than his size. And and it worked out. Um, And, and know, the zone was, was good like, for Myers, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean that's the ballsy move right there. It's like you know, let make them adjust to us. And he hit a lot of threes. Like I think today the reluctance, the 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 non reluctance to shoot was huge for him because I know that we've been on his case for that. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm looking at the stats for December and right now he's actually shooting a better percentage from three than Tyler, Jimmy, and Kendrick are. Obviously on a little bit less attempts, but he's taken twenty twenty one attempts this month and he's shooting thirty three percent, which is not terrible. Chris, what was that stat you gave me before about Horford? Oh, the he he was plus twenty one tonight. Which is pretty insane because they kind of force him off the floor with those small lineups. Well, so. they, when they he plays, they're playing him with Embiid most of the time, right? Yeah. That's Gee, you are lucky that Alf is not on the spot right now. Why? Because remember when when me and me and you were arguing against him, saying that Horford could not be taken off the floor just by the Heat going small. Like we were going on that point for like ten minutes. And that's exactly what they did tonight. Honestly, Alf completely I, nailed it. I didn't, but Alf Alf isn't out here predicting the zone defense. That that is wonky <laughs> zone. 
that you know really neutered them okay I mean, like they're getting really good at running it and especially when Derek is playing because he is able to cover so much ground so fast defensively his own I mean, machine he he actually has as many steals this month as Jimmy does That's so like, what yeah he does like he's he's been all over the place and it's because and they have been playing more zone as the season has gone on so when he's playing big minutes and they're playing zone he's a he's a big threat out there defensively so the heat have gone down from like they were second in turnovers force per 100 possessions they're like ninth now so the turnover forcing has really gone down for them lately um particularly since the winslow injury but um so a little bit to that point about the djj stat what were you gonna say Leif? I completely forgot. <laughs> I had to I had to sneak in there with my stat because I was kind of curious about. Uh, I feel like the Heat are trapping a lot less now that Winslow's not in. They're kind of going to that less. Although today they did a lot of doubling in the post, uh, which I liked, and they've been they've gotten really good at that. By the way, like they, Yo, they do. Did y'all think that Al Horford three was going in? Uh, nope. I don't know, man. It all happened so fast. It was kind of hard to process. It was like, I was super disoriented because I was just really mad at Kendrick for missing the two free throws. I mean, I, I was ready for it. I'm always ready for it. Like, that, that that's the kind of, like, of course comeback. I, I am so glad we're not to. living in that universe yeah, right now. This That's, why, that's <laughs> how I knew this is a different team because to the, to the old heat, that shit goes in. I promise Every you that. time. Yeah, Look, that's, shout that's out to like, Kendrick Nunn, man. That's the Paul Millsap shot. You know what dude, I mean? Dude, let and me then, tell you, I I don't no game is ever in hand because of that fucking Paul Millsap game. If those of you don't remember, the first year of the big three, Paul Millsap hit like 53s with like two minutes left after he like never shot threes in his life. And he's raiding threes. And the he were up by so many points that you know, like the little, you know, like when they start putting the little logos and all like the, you know, associated, you know, do not retransmit it, whatever by the mm-hmm. NBA, like all that, all that stuff on the screen. They had started putting that on the screen because they thought the game was over. I was at that game and I was not taking that, uh, that surge very seriously. I'm like, ah, look at Millsap hitting threes. Wow. <laughs> And, and then, then they forced Wade it had- into overtime, I think, right? That game yes. went into overtime. And, and I was like, ah, wow, it's a good game. The Heat are just going to win this in overtime, I guess. <laughs> Did it, didn't turn out that way. You know who I want to talk about? Please. The guy who's leading the Heat in plus minus this month. Uh, Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson. Oh. He is shooting 58% from three Stop. on eight attempts a game what is happening (laughs) i mean that i mean like for people who don't really like understand like exactly you know how much every guy shoots that is an absurd percentage to maintain over such high volume like that's literally he's hitting threes at a historic clip this and he's coming off of curls almost every single time he's taking those shots like he's coming off of movement getting himself on balance and just doing that at a high volume every single game and running around the whole game. The fact that he's able to, like you said, maintain that percentage is insane. So Steph, for his career, uh, averages 8.23s a game, to put into perspective the volume. That's exactly how many Duncan is averaging this month, 8.2. He's taken 82 attempts in 10 games so far. It's insane. Uh, You know what? Steph's percentage, man, 43%. Wow, he's so good. Yeah. 
quietly, Duncan Robinson may be on the you can't trade him list. He just unlocks so much. And if he keeps shooting like that, I mean, that that's like Jason Capono shit. And he is locked up. Yes. All it does is help <laughs> the superstars. Got, he, he's it's, got it's everything perfect. you want, too. Now that he's got this build, like he's he's actually a, a bit of a rangy defender. He's not a liability. And he's a plus, plus, plus shooter. Like, And he it, rebounds. And like Ben Simmons thought he had a mismatch in the post there at the end. And he did not have a mismatch like Duncan Robinson was able to at least stand his ground and not get back down and just you know laid up on so like there's a ton of growth there and then Kendrick Nunn did the same thing on that last possession uh guarding Ben Simmons I I, I wasn't even worried about that Horford three I was just glad that uh Simmons didn't get into the paint there you got to give more credit after, to missing, none, man. after missing two free throws, like he could have easily been in his, in his head thinking, oh my gosh, I just blew this. So to stay in front of Simmons and, and deny him getting to the basket and making him kick it out, that's uh, that's heat culture stuff right there. Man, to go back to Duncan, like, <laughs> what was that? I'm sorry, what was that? What was that? That, that was a sniff sniff of the culture. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <sighs> Go back to Duncan. Um, you know, we're I'm using the cold to my advantage. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, game. I'm gonna take another hit of culture and talk about Duncan. But he, there was a couple plays of the game that it's like not just a shooter. Like that, he had a little cut uh, when Bam was at the elbow, and Bam kind of slipped him a little bounce pass in the pocket where he got a layup in the third quarter. And there was another one where he had like a little reverse layup that he took off the dribble. Uh, that is just like. It's he's kind of like Wayne Ellington on steroids, right? Because like Wayne could put the ball on the floor some. He could That's what I was thinking to myself the other night. He's Wayne on steroids, like and Wayne sees it here. Like let's not forget, Wayne was flinging nine point one threes and shot forty percent on them. Excuse me, forty forty two percent on them. Dan, he was good. It's like he grew from the tree of Wayne Ellington and Mike Miller put together. Like there's some like weird hybrid right. dinosaur thing going no, on. No, come man. on. We, you you nailed it before, man. It's Capono. Yeah. He's like <laughs> well, no, but somewhat Capono athletic Capono. Capono was limited in that he could just catch and he would, you know, make all, all kinds of shots and bail guys out. But oh, he was drilling them. Damn, Capono had a 51% three-point season. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But the yeah, attempts Duncan back is, then were much different. He's just like Capono's final form. He is he's the final evolution. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have perfected him. That guy could have Anonymous Capono. <laughs> no Silva minutes today. Kind of surprising. Yeah. That was weird. Especially since Kelly barely played. Uh, I mean, I'm, I was going to also want to talk about that. I think Kelly is really close to falling out of the rotation. You, he, you said something he only the other played, day. That, he only played eight minutes tonight. Today yeah. kind of made sense, though, because the, the minutes that he would have been playing went to Myers. And, yeah, and he didn't play that much the first time around either, did he? It's not a good matchup for him. It's really not. And It's just Christian, weird. But, like We had limited bigs anyway. Like So how the hell are you not going to play? And particularly, you played DJJ at the four. Like They really they went all in with Derrick Jones Jr. at the four. But I, you, I, think, I made this point last night on Five on the Floor. The Heat are like, oh, yeah, everybody's upset about summer of 2017. Well, we're not going to play any of them, and we're still <laughs> going to be really good. I love Kelly, though. I don't want him to be a casualty. Although, Kristen, Kristen, you're ready to move on from him. Like, totally. I mean, I feel like... 
Christian of all people. I know. I know, right? It's he, crazy. He could fetch a useful piece, though. I think that it's something worth thinking about and talking through in terms of like what you could attach to uh, an expiring of some sort if you did want to make an upgrade. Uh, other teams would view particularly this cultured version of Kelly um you know, as a, as an attractive piece. And I think he's just, he, he went into the season and I really think he expected to start and be like the prominent guy next to Bam because it, it, they just fit so well previously. And obviously it's morphed into a whole different situation with Bam now. So um, it, it, I feel like it's more than just him, like not shooting well. It, it, it's almost like a mental thing. Like it, it, he doesn't, didn't really know what his role was going to be. And, uh, and it's showing now he's like out of the rotation. Basically. I can, mean, I, can I read to you yeah, some Kelly yeah. stats? He's shooting 89% from the free throw line. Career, you know, career high. Incredible. He's shooting 41% from three, almost 42% from three as a six ten big. That is valuable. Like no matter what way you frame it, He's shooting about almost four attempts a game, so it's not small volume. I know that we look at him having a down year, but this is a career year shooting the ball for him. Um, I know that the rest of the numbers are down, but as a stretch big, I mean, like, he'll have a place in the rotation. Like, I think certain matchups might not dictate it. Like this, I one. think as soon as Justice and Goran are back, it's going to help him out because they were, last time we saw them, they were a part of that bench unit with Olenek, and I remember Goran looking great playing next to Kelly not that long ago. So I think once that bench unit is filled out again and they're and they're back to running two different units, Kelly's going to look better, especially since you're already saying it, uh, you know he's shooting great from three. You can still run him in handoff sets with shooters. I think there's still a place for him in this rotation. Yeah, I mean, my concern is that when they do come back, they're going to have way too many guys on the roster that should be playing pretty big time NBA minutes. It's like obviously now they have a very two very high ceiling players in Butler and and Bam, but they also have like five to six, you know, should be solid starters on just about any team. And it's it's what do you do right now when you're getting that kind of production from so many different places? So that trio, uh, Alex, that we talked about, Kelly, Justice, and Goron, in 102 minutes have a net rating of 12 and an offensive rating of 116, uh, almost 117. It's really good. There you go. Like those those three together are really good. Uh, I, you know, man, I was looking at a lot of Justice lineup data, and he makes ev- almost every lineup he's in better. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, mostly defensively. I mean, the team is just much better defensively when he's on the court. And it makes sense because the team is already filled with great defenders. And then you can throw a very smart cerebral one that, you know, he he doesn't really look so much for, for the steal or the block, but he really always works his hardest to make sure that he's in the proper position to defend without fouling and really deter. And he's constantly like shutting down other teams' actions as well. He just exactly. makes it hard. In the pick and roll, he has been a monster this season in terms of just blowing that yep. up. If you and slot him on a point guard and you play that drop scheme, it makes perfect sense because you can just take advantage of his length to help right. deter like the you know the pull up threes from the from the top of the key that they're that they've been allowing. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, thank God this team is blessed with so much scoring talent now. But yeah, since he's been out, I mean, them in the pick and roll, that's where some of these games where scores have been run up a little bit, like against the Hawks, like they were they were operating the pick and roll. They were driving in, you know, relatively easily, and then they were kicking out to wide open shooters. 
and they were just hitting them all night long. Like that's, but that's how it starts, you know? And like Justice showed like at the end of that Bucks game, one of the biggest wins of the season, he was sh- shutting down Chris Middleton so bad that he could not even get the ball half the time. When Put he did, jail. it was, su- it was suffocation. Like, they have oh, a couple okay. of those guys that could just... I mean, Bam put Chris Hasporzingis in prison the other night and made him look at the end of that game like he did not know how to play basketball. It was, and so did DJJ in that game. I thought DJJ looked awesome guarding Porzingis. And all this Justice Winslow data that you're, ref- that you're referencing all just reinforces the fact that they're going to want to see him on the court with this team for an extended stretch, 20 games, 15 games. So I really think that if this, if we end up looking at any type of trade, it's probably going to come down to the buzzer at the deadline because that they're not going to necessarily have enough time to really evaluate what this team looks like with justice until he's out there um, really um, for an extended stretch. We just haven't seen it. You know, like, and it's going to be really interesting to look at this trade deadline because, I mean, Oklahoma City shopping their guys and they want to get under the luxury tax, which might be a little hard for Miami to help them out in that area. Toronto, who everyone thought was going to be a seller, might not really be a seller. So those are like Gasol, Ibaka, all those expiring, Lowry. You know, suddenly those guys might not be available to other people. And then you start looking around the league. And you're kind of wondering, well, what situations are guys going to trade out of? Because Griffin would be the guy that people look at, but he's been really hurt. You know, now we have the Pelicans, you know, but are they really, you know, they're making calls about Drew Holiday. Maybe J.J. Reddick becomes available. Um, But I don't think the trade market is going to be as active as we thought. And, like, I think teams like Utah might get a little more desperate than Miami. And Miami might get... I don't know about that. I I think from a trade active standpoint, like... Because there's um, a lot of teams that think they got a shot, they think that they're a player away, um, that, there, that there could be more activity that way. We see guys um, trying to at least like shuffle pieces and see if something fits better because uh, there's just not that perennial. Fa- I mean, I guess you could say the Lakers are, are looking like that strong of a team, but I don't, I don't think that they go without flaws either. So um I don't know. There's, there's just uh, there's a lot of possibilities in teams that are obviously disgruntled and and don't like what they have. I do also wonder about what's going on in Minnesota. I do too. Like Covington didn't start tonight, and he's fully healthy. I I don't know if my what the hell? To get Covington. Like he'd be a dream for them. I, like if I were to be able to pick a player that I'd want it, I'd want him. I mean, Gianni, if we were to dream, the player that we should want is Carl Anthony Towns. Well, yeah, of so let's course. Let's talk about I'm what it would about, take to get him out of the cold reasonable. corpse of Minnesota. I'm talking Jimmy about something reasonable. They're Jimmy not going to trade Carl Anthony Jimmy and Cat would be a formidable duo. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before. Carl Anthony yeah. Towns and Bam, hold on, because they were showing a graphic of big. <laughs> the practices at- will be legendary. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Cat is averaging a clean 26 points, uh, 12 rebounds, and 4.5 assists. So he's basically Bam. Jesus. Basically yeah. Bam, but 26 points a game, and he's shooting 40 fucking 2% from no, three. He's on been. Eight and a half attempts. I'm pretty sure he's been the best jump shooter yes. in the NBA, but by a pretty wide margin in terms of efficiency. All that, and he doesn't even have any culture. Bro, imagine yeah, if he, he had the culture. <laughs> That's why he's, they should just trade every young thing they have. Would you for trade? Him would you trade Jimmy him for next, him? No, no. Put let him and Jimmy work it out with Bam, <laughs> and that is how you win. Like, yeah, I think there's some problems there that can't exactly be worked out. Correct. <laughs> Sucks. Soft.
Maybe Wiggins? MV Wiggins? That, that was actually like... he He's the one who really needs some culture. Yeah, no, well, he doesn't need her Jimmy, anymore. Jimmy and Wiggins were the ones that didn't... That, that was the biggest disconnect in Minnesota as Ben Simmons was in, in Philadelphia. Those are the... Like, that's the list of the guys that will not be traded to the Heat under Man, any circumstance. Did, did you see them going at each other tonight? Like... Especially towards the end of the game, like it felt like Ben was. I couldn't tell if he was actually talking shit, but like he was, he was all over Jimmy. In the, Simmons in has the got nothing floor. for Jimmy. There, that team's kind of soft. Ah, uh, yes, that Sixers team's kind of soft. Like, I like where your head's at. I, I think they're a little soft. Like, I know that they're really good and they they have a bit of physicality to them because Embiid's a physical player, obviously. But, man, I just think... Who's their enforcer, though? Who is that guy? Like, who's their UD? They have a bunch of fake enforcers, that's for sure. Jimmy made them tough. Mike Scott? Is Mike Scott the guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Mike Scott. (laughs) I mean, Mike Scott didn't really... I mean, Carl Anthony Towns still got Embiid at a headlock. I mean, Mike Scott ain't no bitch. I don't know. Maybe Ben Simmons is the enforcer (laughs) after you put put Cat in 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 some sort of wrestling pin on the floor. Make cat tap out. Mike Scott know. might be a bitch if you compare him to Udonis Haslam, though. Good old fair man. man remember UD snapping at David West, talking face to face in conference finals. Remember how fun that was. I can't wait for soon. all the shit UD's gonna talk once we uh, once they get Philly in the in the playoffs. They gotta get him on the podium. Like if they play Philly in the playoffs and if they win the series, they better put UD on a fucking podium. Look, man, we saw everything. Everything tonight that could be wrong with the Sixers in a potential playoff series, we saw it tonight. In the clutch, what was their what was their main attack? How was their what, how did they generate offense in the clutch? That's still their question. Like you you play the you play them as as people who are not gonna shoot you out of the game. You play them as the build the wall defense that I mentioned last night on five on the floor. The what? And it's tough. The build the wall defense. You what build the wall in the paint. You keep Simmons and Embiid out of there. You trap. You double team Embiid every time, like they did tonight. Right. And that's the way you beat them. You just you have to work your ass off. I mean, double teaming constantly. Like, is there going to require you to just a lot of sprinting back and getting caught out of position? But they're awesome at that, and we've already but seen that. But they've been great at that this season. today. They were incredible, yeah. especially out of the post. They're so good, and I like, and I think that's part of why they concede a lot of threes because they're they're doubling. And you're just, I mean, they gave up a couple in the corners today, and this like Tobias got a few, and Josh got a few, but you kind of live with that if if you're really trying to get the ball out of Embiid's hands. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't rather be the Sixers. I wouldn't either. We got to get Sedano on to answer for his war crimes. Sedano has a lot of explaining to do. And let me tell you something, man. Philadelphia, you tanked for like five years, and you're a comfy fifth place in the Eastern Conference, quarter of the way in. Yeah, I mean, and you could argue that, I mean, they're not guaranteed to build to win right now. And they've had really like two or three chances to really try to get this right. And at some point you really have to wonder if Simmons and Embiid together can really work. It was like the Heat were leaving him wide open whenever he was taking shots tonight. And for the most part, it paid off. So it's it's hard. Like that's that that that's like what was happening in the first matchup when Embiid was playing off Bam and the Heat couldn't create anything off the actions that he was trying to create, you know, holding the ball near near the elbow. So, you know, you gotta see if they adjust for the next matchup. It's they are I t- today was today was big for a couple of reasons. Not just because they got a a road win against a, a conference opponent, was we really got to see kind of 
Spo's game to game adjustments. And I think we know that Spo's a better coach than Brett Brown. And today was just another example of just completely coach circles around him. Brett was not ready. And they, the, the Heat didn't really go to it. <clears throat> the Heat stuck to their game plan in the first quarter. They're like, we're going to play our game. And once it didn't work, Spo's like, okay. They clearly were prepared for this. They clearly had planned for this for the Sixers. And they have a plan. And when when it comes to playoff time, you know, like, we haven't gotten to see Spo in that situation a lot, but lately since LeBron left, but, man, that, that's going to be where they're going to have a lot of advantages against teams, including the Sixers. All right, so here's a question for you. How do you feel about what they did today versus the Sixers holding up in a series versus them potentially? So... I was thinking a little bit about that during the game because, like, they were just using a lot of zone. And I don't know, Caius was tweeting that he's not really comfortable with that. And then I thought of the Mavericks in 2011, how they basically played zone the entire fucking year and were a top seven defense. And they did it in the playoffs against LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, and it worked. So we could sit here and say it's a gimmicky defense and it won't work in the playoffs, but a team literally won the championship doing it. Yeah, I mean... I've always disagreed with you about that just because I feel like it's like I said a million other times, it's a tool in the defensive toolbox for Spo. I don't think it's something that he would rely on too much, but against the Sixers team, it's a matchup thing. The zone makes perfect sense every time and maybe not to throw at them the whole game because maybe eventually they figure it out. But if you're going back and forth between coverages, like that might be the way to do it. You don't let Embiid and Simmons bully you. You make sure that they don't have any one-on-one matchup disadvantages. And you just go from there, make Tobias and Horford, you know, kill you from three. Well, and the other thing is like going into this season, we were thought of as a team that was like a notch below the Philadelphia and Milwaukee's. And maybe that's ultimately where we will end up. But the fact that we're even talking about, do we match up with them to the point that we may be able to beat them in a series? Like that's, that's huge right there. Like, I feel like that's the win in itself. Leif with the perspective hit right there. I don't know. Am I right? I remember. They were saying that we were in there with Orlando yes. and Detroit. Yes. I remember. Correct. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Zach Lowe was the only ally that we had nationally. I Zach were a couple. Was only, Zach, Zach, Zach and Bill Sayers were the only ones that kind of believed in us. Although Bill's everybody, like, everybody hopped on the heat after Zach called him the three seed. Bill but has he, like PTSD about the heat. Even though like they've looked as good as they have and they obviously are an East contender, I don't expect any of these matchups to be easy. Like it's going to be difficult as hell to beat any of these teams, particularly Philadelphia. And they probably uh, would go into that series uh, a pretty big underdog if you really look at it uh, objectively. Oh, no doubt. Um, but just ultimately the fact that they're even in the conversation to be uh, competing with these teams and they have the flexibility, they have the contracts, they have the assets, they have the little contracts of, of productive players that they can attach to big contracts to make things work. They have options. And, and a serious young core. They yep. can make a trade if they ever feel like they need to. Everything just changed, completely turned around since last summer. It's but insane. remember, they were stuck in mediocrity and they could <laughs> never get out. And Riley was so washed and he was never going to figure it out again. And it, it was just it was they were they were never going to climb out of it. And they had to tank. <laughs> they were talking. That about- was the answer, guys. They had to tank. <laughs> Tell your mother to tank. <laughs> they they would have tanked to pick somebody worse than Bam. Unbelievable. <laughs> Imagine if they did tank. They got like the Frank Telekina. 
Dude, could you imagine if they got like where the Knicks landed and didn't take Bam? Oh my god. Dennis Smith Jr. When people were upset that people took Bam instead of Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I was one. I'm not upset anymore. Christian, are we is America ready for this conversation? They're definitely not. The Heat, main, the Heat maintained that they would have taken Bam no matter what. Christian. Initially, I thought that was the biggest pile of bullshit that I had ever heard in my entire life. But now, I don't know. Dude, I'm telling Who's you. Who's more impactful? Hmm. It, do you want to start was, a dialogue? It was a fix. I'm telling you, it had to have been a fix. Because how is it that he doesn't show off any of these skills in college unless he is told specifically not to do them? But you can say the same and thing then for it's Hero. Like, surprise. Yo, <laughs> you can say the same thing for Hero, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker. All the Kentucky guys always do that shit. What there, Devin there, Booker there's still? a particular Twitter user, Scott Charlton, or something like that. And he he tweets out all Kentucky player videos. And uh, and I was chatting with him a while back, and he was telling me how the all these guys go there and they know they're in a pro program and they end up playing roles and like they are often asked to suppress their games in a lot of ways so the fact that Riley has a good relationship with Calipari and obviously he's got the Kentucky connections i think that that has helped tremendously in getting a little bit of uh intel on these bam out of bio tyler hero picks what type of wine do you think they drink when they meet together pat riley and john calipari Only How much slick back hair Joe is involved in this meeting? How much Culture cologne? Cabernet. <laughs> <laughs> Name of the fucking podcast. <laughs> Yo, we got to talk about the Bill Simmons. Bro, I was literally thing. just thinking that. I was about to segue into that. You mentioned Bill Simmons before, and I'm like, <laughs> I need to make sure I bring that up. Because what a fraud. Kevin Garnett really like tried to subtly imply that the refs were against the Celtics that series, and that's why they lost after the Celtics went up 3-2 in 2012. I couldn't believe what I saw when that came out. I tell him to go watch the tape. Yeah, that whole clip completely completely confused me. Like It, it, it was almost like he didn't make sense because like when I, what I took away from it was that he was saying that essentially uh, that it was a fix that they won, but then like other people were telling me that it was more about LeBron leaving Cleveland and going to Miami and that that was all set up. I I don't know. I, I left that more confused than I was prior to listening to it. And obviously those cats are just holding on to that 08 title. They're so upset that they lost in five when the heat were just like, figuring are they out the worst here. winners of all time? Yes. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yes. Worse than Kobe. I can't believe we're saying this. They're, 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 I mean, just look at Paul Pierce's face. Come on. I mean, it's just them <laughs> too, right? It's just KG and Pierce holding on to it because it's like LeBron has a good relationship with Perkins. He now has been a teammate of Rondo's for two years, uh, was a teammate of Ray Allen's for two years. And KG kept saying in that clip, oh, all five of us, all five of us, all we can't stand them. Yeah, all right. Did he mean like all five of them at the same time against LeBron, like by himself? I got what he was saying because he, he specifically even mentioned it at the end of the clip that like when they were in the All-Star uh, weekends together and they were in, playing in the same conference, so they were seeing each other every single year there. It would always be the Celtics on one side of the room, the Heat guys on the other. And like, I get that. But he just played it into this whole thing where like, bro, you weren't on their class. The Celtics were not on the Heat's class. Like, they were just a really good team every year. But when it came down to it, the Heat were better. And let's not forget yeah. that the year that they took the Heat to seven, they were missing Chris Bosh. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard the story of Pat Riley and Kevin Garnett? Yo, seriously. 
Yes, please say that story again. Like, that's a great story. So Kevin Garnett, it, it goes. I think it goes something like this. Kevin Garnett is still in Minnesota, and somehow he's walking on a beach, and Pat Riley walks past him on same beach. And uh, they, uh, I think it was in California. And so they ended up walking it. on the beach and talking, and Riley essentially said, listen, you have a limited amount of time, a finite uh, number of years to go and get one, go get one. Trust me, you don't want to regret it. And that was really how he made the decision to, uh, to kind of push his way towards Boston. And then, uh, Riley said, you know, like came back around with the elimination. You know, they, that team, great times, you know, Alex, that team, Got their ass kicked by the Heat in five. Completely destroyed. LeBron scored the la- him talking about we broke LeBron is really funny considering LeBron scored the last ten points in the game clincher uh, against. He was him. so it was obvious in that point when he said that we broke LeBron. It was talking about Cavs LeBron, and um, that he might have been right about that. See, but I I think Bill Simmons was still talking about the 2012 team because he was interjecting and saying like. You know, yeah, they took you to seven, and you know, did you think you had that game five? And I, so I really felt like Bill Simmons was talking about 2012, and Kevin yeah, but KG was definitely about 2010 without <laughs> yep, Bosch. Yep, you know, yep. like if they have Chris Bosch, they probably run through that playoff like pretty easily because that Indiana series, Bosch got hurt in game two, and then it kind of went south for them, and then Dwayne forgot how to play basketball. Uh, for two and a half games that it got yep. dicey and then the Celtics had like some wonky overtime win in Miami which kind of changed the series without and that's all without Chris Bosh Chris Bosh came back was it game six he came back and he didn't really play a lot and then game seven had those big threes fucking lifer dude that was my favorite rivalry man and I don't know if it's just I'm showing my age here because I wasn't uh I wasn't a fan for the Heat Knicks stuff but Heat Celtics that was the most alive I've ever felt in those playoff series too, and, you man. know non-finals obviously yeah. every single time the they went up against them. It was just I was excited to beat them. Nah, you're not showing your age and being like I. I was there for all those Knicks games in the building, and truthfully, like some of those rivalries with Boston and Indiana is an underrated one as well. True, um, were just as testy, just as hot. I mean, obviously they didn't play five years in a row and stuff like that. So there's a little bit in the rivalry <laughs> well, connection. Was three. So many players, you know, having ties back and forth. But there was definitely some rivalries during the Big Three era that are uh, up there with that Knicks stuff. Don't forget that before LeBron came, the Heat and the Celtics played a five-game series. It was a pretty pretty competitive five-game series, which there was a fight, which Q Rich was about that action. Garnett and him got suspended. Uh, and then so that there, there's like some history there before LeBron came, and then they played three straight years. Although yes, that the Jermaine O'Neal, the Jermaine O'Neal connection between the Heat and the Celtics, where he was a bum for both teams. <laughs> well, would yeah. you say he was abomination? Didn't Dwayne get like forty in one of those games, like forty-five or some something Dwayne, crazy? I'm pretty sure D Wade like hurt his back after that series from carrying them so much. Well, that way, I'm going to read you the stats of that series because it's like honestly one of the all-time great playoff like series that I've ever seen. His numbers. At- after that series, that was when Dwayne said, I'm never going to be uh, exited out of the first round again. And that was like basically him telling the Heat, go get me some guys. And honestly, it didn't wow, happen. Wow, Dwayne miss. It didn't happen up until they lost to Philly in the first round. <laughs> Good, Alex. <laughs> Hold on. I'm pulling up the, the playoffs in 2000, 2009, 2010. 33 points a game, uh, 6.8 assists, 1.6 deals, 1.6 blocks. Um, we were shooting 60, was that oh, no, 56% from the field? Uh, he was Nova. 
Didn't the Heat get eliminated on the road in that series? I think that that was when I realized Beasley was not going to be good. (laughs) That was that. That that was it. I remember that too because Chalmers was uh, D Wade's second best player in that series, if I remember correctly. Everybody disappeared. You, you, you know when I realized Beasley wasn't going to be good? When? I was. Uh, I went to the Heat game. Uh, he was playing. Um, I <laughs> went back to my place, uh, which was at, at the time I believe it was it was further down the road. It was still like twenty blocks away from the arena. Uh, after the game, I went to Publix uh, and I got out of the car and I got what I wanted and real quick and I was heading back out to my car and I, I passed nobody else on the sidewalk. No more than 45 minutes after the game ended. Then Michael Beasley <laughs> reeking of marijuana. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I saw I was like, hey, Mike, great game tonight, knowing he played like 13 minutes. And uh, he was just laughing. He was like, thanks, man. And he just walked right on past. Oh and I was like, God. well. Yo, how have you never heard that story <laughs> how, how is this the first time we hear about this? Seriously. Because it's just, it, it obviously doesn't make him look great, but it, it's hilarious, honestly. Especially now that, like, he kind of, I feel like everybody kind of embraced that about him. And, you know, just let him play like 10, 15 minutes. He'll score some points. Everybody bring him back. Time. I agree. Bring I, him back. I've been I have to bring him back for a while. Jamie I know Leif is all about bringing him back. If they bring him back, but like in terms of writing him off, like being a star player, <laughs> that's when I did. You know. <laughs> Listen, he had a. 50, Can we start the bring bees back 50, campaign? Fifty percent effective for as long as we don't bring back the Hassan campaign. Like, don't as long as we don't do that, we're all right. Bigger knucklehead, Beasley or Hassan? Oh, Beasley, Hassan. Like, I don't know. There, there were a lot of issues off the court and stuff, but. I, I felt like at least he, he seemed to be a guy that put in some work. You know what I mean? You saw him sculpt his body and things like that. Beasley was just checked out. He just was doing the bare minimum, it yeah. felt like. You talk about a walking bucket. I love him, man. Uh, <laughs> he's the best. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, we got to hit the Deion Waiters news. Deion Waiters still suspended. Uh, Five Reasons Sports, Ethan Skolnick uh, put out a report that Dion, the Heat are mad because uh, Dion called in sick and then uh, he was seen taking pictures on a boat. Which, I got to be honest with you, I mean, who hasn't called out his work sick and lied and gone to I mean, that is like a top five activity in Miami, right? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 Cut out on shit you're supposed to do and go out on a boat. That's, everybody yeah, on that, Instagram is on a boat every Sunday. That, Dion is just taking like, part. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm slowly becoming more on Dion's side because I've at some Dion point they, they gotta just cut this out because like if they're really taking his money that's kind of messed up it, it was cumulative though like that's the deal like you know there's been three reported suspensions and probably a couple other reprimands that have not been public and uh that is cumulative. So eventually, yes, yeah, so I, I am absolutely sure he's done other sh- shit that he deserved everything he got for. But you know, if I'm not feeling good, being out on the boat seems really nice. You know, <laughs> listen, if, like if I was he holding bench, a bottle of champagne, what was he doing? What was the context? Class. I need some further context because I didn't see the video. Alex, you need to investigate this. Uh, all right, yeah. what's the what's the first lead? You need to get on this boat. I don't know what day. Was he holding a ham sandwich or was he holding two booties? Christian, find uh, out who who was on that boat. I'm sure you have connections with whoever was on that boat. You and your boating community. This uh, is very true. Yeah, Christian's part of the boating community. (laughs) uh, Christian has more sources than anybody. (laughs) This is is getting stitches. 
Yeah, the thing is, if Dion's not hitting his uh, body fat percentage and his weight, his weigh-ins, like that's the issue right there too. You know what I mean? So get off the boat and uh, and get in shape. You know, like for all the shit we gave Hassan, Hassan at least came to work every day. That that's kind of what I was trying to allude to. He like, did, and like he might have said some off comments, like to the media, and been in a pouty every now and then. But he showed up to work. <laughs> I mean, that's something. Hassan Whiteside colon showed up to work. Yeah, Hassan is the kid. Hassan is the kid who shows up to class but doesn't really get anything done. <laughs> He's class and Dion is the bad kid who comes late every day and is always doing everything else except like what he's supposed to. I mean, what does that I make just, JJ? Always getting in trouble, getting in detention every it's other like day. Hassan comes home with his report card and the glowing thing is perfect attendance, baby. <laughs> All day. What what is JJ? Always in CSI? Yeah. Beat somebody up. I mean, JJ, the, the fact that JJ can't see the floor when, honestly, they kind of need a power forward who can oh defend. It's so I true. Mean, but, man, like, I am still scarred from watching him defend in the last, <laughs> like, few games that he played, man. So because that, it was, that is not the same dude. And it, it, I'm just, it, it was hard to watch. Secured like, the bag and chill. They, man, we need to do some serious journalism on what's going on with Dion and JJ. Alex, this is this, this is, is some... your time to shine. At least, at least do Dude, JJ. They're making a lot of money in Miami in their youth. Like, go live life, man. Go God be on bless. <laughs> go lie about coming to work and go be on a boat. That's what we. That's a dream we all want. Christian that's and Leif, the contrasting million. voices. That's the number that Dion kept talking about. He was going to get that fifty million and then fucking chill. And I don't blame him. You think Dion yeah, plays no, together? Like, personal like on a people level i i have no issue with it it's if i'm looking at it through the lens of a heat fan of a culture culture cultural but but as a regular human being which i am i understand it and you know do you provide for your family it's all good but that you know ultimately they're going to send both their asses away and they're going to say go be on the boat (laughs) you're going to be like we will Maybe really we will. Such, such a normal guy, but it's like if somebody was in a lab with a giant cauldron stewing some evil green looking heat culture and you just like formed into a human from that cauldron because that's basically what you are. I thought you were going to say that's what Bama to bio is. Ah! 